0: Well, hey, welcome, guys! Welcome, welcome, welcome! Great Wednesday, Wednesday night, right? Yeah, today. I've been getting lost. I've been doing a lot of work and stuff at home. Welcome to the show. Uh, this is our our our, Wednesday, our second day this week to do this. Um, I'm really excited about going two days a week. Let me get closer to you. There we go. Not that you guys want right in your face or anything. How about that? Um, but it's great to be here, and I've got a great guest lined up for tonight, Craig Sim Who's going to talk about dreaming and what relation dreams can do to influence us in our daily life and our lives and maybe inspire us to maybe write music, draw, you know, maybe write a script for a movie, write a book. So uh, it's going to be a, nice, a good show tonight. Uh, we are the California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team uh, based out of Sacramento, but actually we're based up and down the state of California, Washington, Oregon. Oregon, Washington State, Oregon, and we have a, actually have a team in Hawaii, so it's kind of cool, and Nevada, and uh, you can find us at www.californiahaunts.org. And without further ado, I want to see if Greg's available. He, we may not have video with him; it just may be an audio thing. So just bear with me. But the comments are working tonight, so if you guys have any questions for for Craig during the show, please let me. You know, feel free to ask in the comments, and I will relay them. Hello, Craig. Are you there? He may be having some trouble getting on. Craig, are you there? Let's see what I can do. Exit mic settings No, Okay, okay. Let's give him some time to come on. He's probably having trouble getting on. Are you there? Anyway. Well, he's trying to get on the show. Welcome back, everybody. I see my cousin Karen's and Karen's in the house. Karen Elizabeth, that's my cousin. Just to let you guys know. Um, hopefully, we'll get the show going uh, fairly soon. Um, I apologize for delays, but this is how it is because some people's internet isn't as, isn't as good as other people's internet. I know my internet's not the best either, and hopefully, he can get back in the room. But um, what's been going on with you guys? It's been a it's been a COVID year. We're still in COVID. I had a birthday yesterday, and it was odd because I really didn't get to go out and do anything like I normally do because, obviously, we're all, you know, in COVID. So it, it, it was a real quiet evening with with one of my friends, and I actually ended up going out to take photos later on. And, uh, you know, just, just the two of us, mass of course, and all that good stuff on. And, uh, you know, it was just a quiet evening, but I'm all birthday out. She bought me a big old double-fudge chocolate cake, and I had pizza, and, you know, just I had to finish off the pizza today, so... I feel all pizza bloated. So I'm not going to be eating any chocolate for a while and pizza for a while or anything like that. Um, Craig's still trying to get on. I'll see if I can have him join the thing. Are you there?
1: Hi. Is my mic working this time?
0: Yes, we got your mic.
1: Okay, good. I don't know. I just (laughs) logged back out and logged back in. So here we are.
0: That works. Well, welcome to the show. I'm really excited to talk to you about this Yeah, me too. Tell me. well. Tell everybody a little bit about yourself.
1: Uh, well, I guess, uh, I'm a physicist here. I'm officially allowed to say I'm a recovering thinkaholic <laughs> because, uh, I did, uh, during partway through my degree, I actually had a powerful near drowning mm-hmm. and, uh, I guess, uh, long story short is I started remembering about 10 dreams a day, ended up exploring firsthand and personally in my life first, Hey, what is this channel that I can? somewhat accurately see the future or have these strange experiences of being awake in a different world, lucid dreams, and things, other things they didn't teach me about in physics class. So I guess I started integrating uh, some of my heart, some of my uh, maybe psi abilities, and then ended up at the Stanford University research, the pioneer research in lucid dreaming. And I thought that was pretty cool because it included my science training and my sort of new experience, what I now call inner science explorer, inner explorer first-person scientist in other realms and from then on uh, just wanted to share some of the benefits applications and research more and more publicly so it's been a life path and a calling and uh, it's actually been pretty fun many times
0: it sounds like it now tell me about um how you got into like doing the whole thing with the dreams because that's absolutely fascinating
1: yeah, well, I, uh, I can slow it down a little bit. I just kind of told it quickly. But I, I got oh, stuck in the whitewater rafting. OK. And uh, I didn't really have time to gasp for air. This was when I was 21. And uh, I had the helmet and the life jacket and everything, but it was all dirty, silty water, because it was a fast-moving river in the middle of fall, and uh, I guess the leaves and things. So I couldn't see, and I was stuck under the raft. And I guess 5, 10 seconds in, fight and flight turned to this very strange piece. And a little bit of surprise because you wouldn't normally expect to be like peaceful under a raft, you know, Mm -hmm. stuck with no air. But there it was—a strange peace and the single thought, a simple thought: "Wow, I guess I'm dying. This is it. This is my." And I was just kind of and a little surprised that I was peaceful, but otherwise, this rich, deep peace. And I'm not quite sure what the next moment was, sort of cut to next scene in my memory, but I think the raft guide probably pulled me back. Uh, I did raft the rest of the day as normal, and uh, you know I was okay. Maybe he coughed up a, a bit of water and stuff, but uh, I ended up starting to remember ten dreams a day. Out of nowhere, I wasn't really interested before that. I wasn't against it or anything, but I thought this is strange. But I started like a good little scientist, noting the data, recording them, and writing them down, and seeing correlations. And then having lucid dreams, you know. Oh, you mean waking life isn't the only station on the big dial? Mm-hmm. there's other places i can be awake and things that were outside my science training so i really had to explore uh, i guess two worlds walking between worlds here at the at the start anyways it was all new the inner world and then the scientific outer objective world and later i managed to integrate more but that's kind of how i got started
0: interesting now i understand that you know you began studying into this as to how dreams can affect your everyday life is that correct
1: yeah, that particularly interested me because it seemed to me that if there was so much information, you know, the visual dreams we have, sometimes songs. You ever woken up with music or a song, Charlotte? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And sometimes just body sensations or other sort of otherworldly, almost like California haunts kind of experiences mm-hmm. where you tune into something outside your room, but then you go and check, let's say, a friend uh, at their place or something, you know, remote viewing. And you find out later that something pretty rare you probably never could have guessed was true or accurate and other things like that. So I started saying, okay, I guess there's some uh, pretty cool principles I can learn and things I can start exploring more and more. And so I did, I guess, uh, bridging the two worlds of subjective and objective science is what I call it now.
0: Interesting. So have you found that, I mean, you know, um, I know, I got, a cre- I got a little creepy thing. I don't even tell my family this. When I was younger, I used to have this dream where I was hiding under my dining room table. And it oh, was yeah. weird because there was this tall, I'm not going to say shadow man, but man dressed in black with a with a hat on, that was walking around my house. And I would look up and there were these windows at the top of the wall in my dining room. And what was strange is we never had windows there, but what was creepy about it was that Maybe when I hit my late 20s, my father had the house remodeled and put siding on, and they actually put windows on that side.
1: Wow, oh, interesting.
0: And when he put them in and I walked in the house, I was just like, Double take. Dang. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, no, where's the creepy man? Yeah. Right. Uh, well, here's an interesting, there's some cool symbolism. We can go to the, the theme of the dream. But uh, people don't always notice what I call sort of timing cues or maybe uh, references. If like the windows are up very high and the man's very tall and all that, uh, even though maybe it tuned into an actual later moment where you did, your father did actually put windows. In, uh, from a little kid's perspective, everything would be much higher or taller. Mm-hmm. So it sounds to me like you were sort of bridging somehow with your awareness, with your dreaming mind, somehow bridging across time because your little self could sort of see this future. But from a, a young sort of short, short, <laughs> short person viewpoint. That theme you might find interesting. It sounds to me. I don't. I never try to tell people exactly what their dreams mean. Sure. But I, I have a lot of experience, you know, traveling in a certain land. I know the language a little bit and some of the customs. Uh, that people do see uh, sort of strangers, sometimes sort of faceless strangers, a little more often than not men, uh, and uh, sort of sometimes shadowy figures. It sounds mm-hmm. a little bit like yours, wandering around the the room. More often, it's like the bedroom, but it could be, I guess, the dining room, living room, or sometimes outside. And then it does tie in also with uh, sort of being hagged, uh, which is sometimes like a demon on your chest or, or what's mm-hmm. usually called sort of sleep paralysis, uh, which sometimes brings UFOs and other things. So they're not necessarily always the same thing, but there seem to be pretty strong links to sort of our body falling a little bit asleep or, and or the big theme that I, hopefully all of us eventually get to in our journey here on earth is facing the fear of death, you know, facing something we can't see, some unknown being in the room, some part of us that will eventually, I guess, come and, and bring us to a, a greater world or something, let's say. But as, as a human here, and we don't have much experience with dying, uh, at least not consciously, it's something that's scary, freaky, sometimes recurs. Uh, I just have a question for you. Do you remember roughly what age you're, dream uh went from and to for for that theme
0: probably starting at about eight or nine and then it went to about maybe 14 15 i think mm-hmm. yeah, because no, in, my dream, I, in my dream in my yeah in my dream i was that particular age because i was able, still able to get under the table you know yeah yeah and look up and see this guy walking around the house it was creepy it was, it was creepy plus i was going to add something too about your uh rafting accident
1: uh-huh
0: We used to um, boat and we had this real old boat (laughs) and my mother was more ambitious than I am and the boat um, motor had died and we were going to hit this other ski boat. And my mother, um, our river has a lot of undertow and uh, my mother, I guess my dad wanted me to jump out because we, we were about to hit this other boat. And I refused to, and my mother got frustrated with me. She jumped out and she got sucked under the boat. Oh, and when she came up, she told me that she had gotten that peaceful feeling like you talked oh, about. that's
1: interesting. You
0: know, she got into there and thought she was going to die and thought, oh, well, I'm going to go. Later on, a few years later, when I was just before I was 21, I got into an accident. Um, I told my car, it was, it was on ice. My steering wheel had locked up. The car got recalled later on over it. Oh, OK, interesting. And I almost went over a cliff and i remember as i cut through the snowbank i remember thinking oh my god i'm gonna hit and then all of a sudden it was like oh well i'm gonna go over over. it's gonna be a a hell of a view letting go yeah but it was a really like you say it's a really calm feeling you know it was like oh i'm gonna it's gonna be a hell of a view when i go
1: yeah i didn't even have the mental channel of sort of thinking about it it just sort of came this whole quietness but yeah, I suppose if I started thinking after it says, "Oh well, I guess uh, it's not the worst way to go here. You could swim around. <laughs> it's fairly quick. You know, it's not like six months of some bad disease or something."
0: Right, right,
1: right. Especially for you though, they're down on Highway One, right? I guess in California.
0: That was Highway Fifty.
1: Oh, I Highway Fifty. I was up by
0: Lake Tahoe, so I was up at oh, the okay. part where it's the most canyony. <laughs> I, I see. Oh, well, Highway
1: One down around Big Sur can be. Pretty oh yeah, that's thing.
0: another area. Oh yeah, that could
1: be exciting. <laughs> Well, there might be uh, there might be a commonality with your mom's dream in mine. I don't know. That's kind of two data points. I haven't yeah. heard anybody else say peaceful drownings. Yeah. But a lot of people do have a kind of quiet uh, or, like, let's say, peace, quietness when they uh, pass. Not everybody. Uh, as, as though uh, the physical life, maybe even part of the mind that would, like, flight and fight and uh, react and all that fear is sort of left behind, or at least at that moment is disconnected. So perhaps there's a link there, but, uh, you know, you can turn some of these things into positives. Right. Hopefully uh, I uh, I sort of think of it actually that whole experience, although it was a physical event, you know, I was actually in a physical raft. Mm-hmm. I do think of it a little more symbolic, like waking life as a, a dream, you know, but looking at it symbolically. Wow, because I was in this physics degree and it was uh, time pretty ripe for me, I think, to really start exploring inner worlds. So in a way, I sort of had a whole rebirth underwater, uh, you know, just like Percival in that movie and actually many movies, but where they sort of go underwater and shed all their clothes, (laughs) whatever, and come come out fresh with a, a new take on life. Because that's when I started having lucid dreams and remembering all the other dreams. So I think of the whole event as kind of a symbolic rebirth in waking life and maybe part of me did die, I don't know, the old way of seeing things, or at least a limited way. Right. But I'm pretty glad for it in retrospect. In the time, it was a little freaky, but what can you do? You're there and you, you live through it.
0: Do you think um, that what we do before we fall asleep at night can influence our dreams?
1: Yeah, in lots of ways. Uh, what we're talking about, thinking about, for sure. Sort of like, a, I call it thought momentum, or sometimes emotional or feeling momentum. Like uh, probably every one of all your listeners have had an experience or viewers that uh, when they watch a movie or a spooky movie or watch a news, a news story late at night or, or even just something more peaceful, reading a certain book
0: uh-huh.
1: or talking to a friend or something, that theme or that feeling tone usually continues into dreamland. So that's that's a little bit more when it's not used intentionally. Uh-huh. On the positive side, you can certainly use it intentionally. You know, probably most of the listeners have slept on it. <laughs> when they had a problem, they decided to, oh, I'll just sleep on it. And then you can get even a little more intentionally. You actually visualize some, let's say, goal or future or result or something you want, a question you have, who knows. You kind of ask the subconscious, the dream weaver, hey, you know, what would be the the best way to get through the pandemic peacefully, which is an interesting, or I have this challenge, this health challenge, dear body, you know, body wisdom or subconscious. Do you have any insights of either diagnosis or maybe just treatment? I don't necessarily have to know what it is. Like uh, one of my clients uh, had a really bad flu or sickness or uh, something like that, you know, a fever, I guess, and said, oh, no, I don't know. These things sometimes last weeks. So I said, well, well, you can, it won't hurt. Why don't you just check with your dreams and, and don't always just ask what it means or what it is, or you can also just ask for the cure or ask for a solution or just to be healed. And uh, that's what this person did. And then they uh, woke up and said, "Well, I'm feeling really great. I don't know if it's hundred percent gone, but by the next day it was. And they said, uh, I had this very interesting dream of all these leeches oozing out of my legs and my pores and all this. And I couldn't tell you what it means really, but probably something that's not ideal, you know, sucking my energy. A leech is leaving me. And so here we are. And uh, I think I healed something there just by a simple request. And, uh, you know, it doesn't always come out exactly like that. But for uh, maybe 12,000 or 12, 1200, excuse me, 1200 years, the, uh, dream healing temples of ancient Greece and a little bit northern Africa and around the Mediterranean, let's say. They would actually go on long pilgrimages, many people, to the Asclepian dream healing temples to actually get a health dream, sometimes emotional health or fear of death or that kind of thing, but mostly physical. And you know, this lasted you know, 1,600, 1,800 years. So obviously something was working. In fact, you know the little snake around the, the staff on the medical symbol, the AMA? Uh-huh. And, a lot of the health organization, World Health, has said that actually comes from the Greek god Asclepios who brought the healing dreams. People don't always draw the connection, but when uh, doctors take their oath, uh, sort of after their graduation, it says, by Apollo, by Asclepios, I will so and so. And so they actually honor this pretty ancient tradition. So it's there available. Our culture maybe has forgotten a little bit about it, but I usually say it doesn't have to be so. Vast is falling asleep with this whole big intention or Uh figuring out every diagnosis. Uh, Sometimes you just have dreaming of eating oranges and you haven't had any in a long time. Maybe that's a little body cue, a dream cue to uh, watch out. You might avoid a cold or something or, uh, or, or some simple like yoga posture. Sometimes when I'm doing too much heady things, like working on the computer, I'll dream of uh, this upside down yoga pose. And at the start, I just thought, oh, that's crazy. I don't know what that is. But when I contemplated a little bit, I thought, oh, well, I'll just try it. It's usually good to ask, not just what does my dream mean, but what does it want? It usually wants an action in waking life. So I said, okay, I'll just try the pose. And when, while I was upside down, I thought, oh, this is rushing a lot of blood to my head and <laughs> probably clearing out some of whatever chemicals are there when you, when you think too much and probably when you don't move so much, if I'm thinking and sitting in a chair. So it's interesting how you can have simple little things that actually sort of prevent. And preventative Mm -hmm. medicine is probably the best one. But you can certainly ask and have intentions. Have you ever done any creative incubation? They call it incubation when you kind of dream on a topic for an answer or a problem solving or something.
0: I do meditation. So, um, no, I I, I can honestly say I've never done you know, dreamed with any intention like that. However, I could, uh, I can't. No, that's not really true either. Because after my mother passed, yeah. you know, I, I I dreamed with the intention of of maybe meeting her in a dream and, and seeing how she was and stuff.
1: And how'd that go?
0: And she did show up about uh, probably about three days after she passed. She, I saw her sitting on her um, love seat where she always sat watching TV. Ah, oh, beautiful. You know, to and let me know that hey, I'm still and... here. I'm still here. I'm okay. I'm watching TV. You know, I'm still <laughs> watching our shows
1: you know that kind oh, of good. thing yeah yeah right i'm out of the, i i you have to tune into a different station now to meet me in dreams yeah <laughs> but physically uh i'm not there but i'm i'm healthy i'm well etc yeah there's an interesting timing with contacting deceased uh usually there's a if people are tuned in and want to sometimes if we want it too hard that can limit it a little bit like sort of pulling a person back from their journey to the next realm but uh, there seems to be about a roughly 9 to 12 months sort of period i don't know if it's an adjustment period or what exactly like when you move to a new country let's say uh-huh. you have to sort of set up shop etc set up your your new home that uh there seems to be a little bit of a low in contact that's generally that's statistically some people they they never sort of lose touch and others actually don't get in touch for quite some time uh, usually the not getting in touch when we really want to just if the listeners are interested that often means there's a bit of emotional letting go or clearing or maybe there's some anger or something and just, you know, work on self a little bit. And usually that opens the doorway. So I know it's an important thing and people really do want to see loved ones, and not just their family, sometimes pets, simple pets, and it doesn't have to even be family. It can sometimes be, Hey, I'd love to get, uh, you know, insights from Mark Twain on my writing, my, my book, or you can sort of tune into a personage who's a little more well-known and they don't have to be alive.
0: Well, as a paranormal investigator, when we talk to people, you know, after a loved one has, has died, we say pretty much the same thing that you're saying there, is that, you know, sometimes it takes longer for some people to have the vision, and sometimes it's a shorter time. It just depends on if they're ready or not. You know, like you say, that baggage is there, or there's something that, that they just have to recover from before they can, you know, deal with seeing that the, the deceased loved one.
1: Yeah, yeah. There's sometimes clearing, but there is a statistically, and this is over, like, many research was done, a sort of waiting a low period of six to 12 months, let's say about nine months, where uh, sort of like, hey, don't contact me, I'm trying to adjust, and then I'll come back and visit you with my mm-hmm. new, you know, once I'm grounded in the, the next world, I don't know if grounded's the best word, once I'm eth- ethereized in my new land, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll reach out back to you and I'll show you I'm good, and maybe usually when the deceased come to just know if it's an authentic visit or more of a worry concern or sort of not being able to let go kind of dream uh-huh. uh, they'll often bring guidance and they usually uh they you know the deceased usually appears a little bit younger fresh looking very sort of vibrant uh-huh. but there'll almost always be a guidance or an insight or a little advice of some sort to, uh, they like to help the waking and it's usually pretty important it gets a few extra asterisks you know that's a usually pretty important thing to somehow act on Sometimes it's super clear, you know, like don't go out with this person, or that business deal is going to turn out to be a dud, or something very pretty clear. But other times it's a little more, I guess, symbolic, and we have to work with it a bit, or watch our other dreams for more hints. But it's usually very important to actually spend time with because that person took a little, that being, let's say, took a little bit of energy, a little bit of, I don't know what it is, like soul points or something, to come across uh, the the veil and visit us. So we have callers. Is that a caller?
0: That is my one of my texts was just coming. People should know better than do this, but they do it anyway. Any shows, okay. it's like a thing okay. with them. <laughs> Sorry about that. That's
1: fine. Maybe that's like a symbol of a deceased when they ring our bell at nights. <laughs> that's right. That's the
0: whole thing from uh, what was it? <laughs> um, wonderful life, right? Angel oh, getting the wings and all that.
1: Oh, okay. Right,
0: yeah. <laughs> um, when yeah. you talk about being able to, like, like you say, you were able to write your dreams down and stuff can you prepare yourself your mindset before you go to sleep so that you can remember those dreams or is it just something that 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 you learn over time
1: uh, both usually it's a bit of an unlearning i know that doesn't really make sense but it's a bit of an unlearning because kids naturally and pretty easily remember their dreams fully vividly in fact the younger ones don't necessarily think it was a dream oh yeah i was with my bunny friend person and they were in my room chatting you know uh where, when was that oh well after i went to sleep yeah you know. <laughs> so you see there's not even discernment so we learn that okay at night those are sort of like that's just a dream and then later on we learn about business life and uh, maybe our relationships and everything and the dreams aren't so important depends on your culture mm. indigenous cultures and many uh, others jamaica and many other traditions malaysia etc Uh, Some of the Tibetans, obviously, and Indian yogis, they'll stay quite connected because they know it's super important and uh, there wasn't a question. But here we sort of forget or disconnect like I did Uh as a scientist-trained objective world person. But it's there, it's waiting. Uh, There's little quick tips uh, if people want to visit Craig Webb with two Bs, C-R-A-I-G-W-E-B-B dot C-A. Just on the bottom there, they'll find a great little article uh, that helps boost dream recall. Uh, And we can give a few tips, but just kind of finish answering your question. Sure. Just kind of think of it as the simplest, quickest thing anybody could do if they don't have time to go and check and everything. Uh, They can just say, you know what? This is a suggestion I'm giving myself. And probably is true anyways all the time, except that I have other suggestions working or I'm subconsciously afraid because I had nightmares when I sort of turned dreams off without either knowingly or not knowingly. People often sort of have too many nightmares. I'm done with that. And they sort of close the channel. But they can just say, hey, it's natural. It's really natural. It's a human heritage kind of thing. It's super easy. And I will just remember what I most need to uh, tonight or sometime soon. You can sometimes add, and then you won't be have the big disappointment and the failure kind of thing set in. So tonight or sometime too soon, I'll naturally easily remember dreams. And I usually encourage people to add. And I'll know what they want. And it's strange. so then knowing what they want adds an extra flavor to the suggestion, the affirmation, the little mental software. And then sometimes people say, wow, it's strange. I had somebody narrating the dream, telling me what it was about or what I was supposed to do about it. Uh, Me, I get more of just like a, almost like a soundtrack to a movie. I get this thought stream waking up what the characters mean and what it wants. Mm -hmm. So that can be pretty valuable. And the suggestion actually works wonders. It sounds pretty easy, maybe too easy, but I encourage people, think of it like a seed. It actually actually is very easy, it takes what, 30 seconds, maybe eyes closed, you don't have to do some big long thing, except that like a seed, it's a real difference of planting it or not. If you don't oh. plant it, well, there's pretty little chance you're gonna see much except probably weeds. If you do plant it, you don't guarantee it by like, let's say five hours from now, but within the next few days it should start and then the sprouts and then the fruits and then so-and-so. So simple natural suggestion. But if they want to go a little bit more involved, I usually say keep the physical senses down uh, because dreams come in on a different sensory channel, mostly than physical senses. So what does that mean? That means try to keep your eyes closed if you wake when you wake up. If you forgot and you opened them, you know, you looked at your iPhone or, <laughs> or whatever, which happens, I do it. Then uh, just try to close them as soon as you realize you open them. That'll help a lot because the visual memory uh, really disturbs dreams quickly. You know, when we... We open our eyes, visual cortex in the back of the brain there. And then uh, try to keep uh, the movements, the touch really low. In other words, don't move when you wake up. Or if you moved and rolled over, just roll back to the same position exactly that you were in and that'll help a bunch. And then try to keep, uh, ideally don't wake up to an alarm. You can can set a body clock, set an intention. Dear subconscious, please wake me up at 7.05 AM because I have to get up at 7.15. that'll give me five ten minutes to peacefully wake up and remember and maybe write my dreams and you know don't take my word for it just try it you'll be there at 705 bang (laughs) so a few suggestions like that and keeping the physical senses low can can work wonders for dream recall and then it's a little bit like a mental muscle you know you'll start off a little bit and then later you get so much data that you have to start discerning what do i keep and I can't spend two hours writing my dreams or recording them mm-hmm. on my voice recorder. I just need to kind of get the, the real winners. You know, I have seven emails and three of them are spam. I want to get the the one with the check or the job offer.
0: <laughs> <laughs> hey, I have a question. Um, I, I tend to have continuing dreams where I will sleep during the night. Then I'll wake up after about, you know, what seems like an hour, you know, dreaming. No. And then I'll go back to sleep and the dream continues.
1: Yeah. Nice. And do you do that intentionally or just kind of like a serial continues on its own
0: it's like it continues on its own
1: because many people actually do it intentionally, intentionally i
0: don't realize it you
1: know uh, well some a lot of people are like they're with their you know a friendly interlude with their favorite hollywood star or mm-hmm. at the beach in hawaii during COVID or something you know that uh they're sort of having a wish fulfillment dream and they want to go back so they do intentionally that's fairly common but in this case uh, probably you're just sort of bridging into waking life for let's say, uh, probably not full beta normal consciousness like you and I are sort of talking to each other with now. You sort of got a little bit of waking line, enough to go to the bathroom, maybe have a drink or whatever needs to be done at that moment, roll over, look around, read. Read might kind of knock it out a little bit if you, you did like a pretty large activity, but if you sort of stay a little bit, let's say in more alpha, more theta delta Uh yeah you could probably surf right back into the dream and it sounds like you might have a natural propensity for lucid dreaming because imagine if you could go back to the dream with just adding a very slight intention hey as i return to the scene with whatever it is uh, i'm going to notice that i'm dreaming and then maybe i'll try some experiments or i'll fly or or something interesting (laughs) where you add a little bit of necessarily controlling the heck out of it but you add at least more awareness you know you inspect people or you ask questions or you're just a lot more present and usually the the dreams are much richer people like lucid dreams Ninety I percent qu- of the time. i
0: have a question for the chat room okay why is it dreams mean a lot in different families like like the ours for example my grandmother believed in in dreams
1: yeah why some and some families have none or like what's mm-hmm. that garbage or Don't worry, it's just a nightmare. (laughs) That's like my worst nightmare when somebody says that. Uh, Just a nightmare, that's like putting a Band-Aid over the oil light on your car. Okay, you'll get through for a few more weeks, but (laughs) watch out in about a month or two when you get a sickness or you lose your job or something. So watch out for the nightmares. But I would say uh, probably traditions. Sometimes it's actually sort of your uh, cultural lineage. Uh, I've seen that quite a bit. So if there's like Native American in there or maybe... uh, Different countries, uh, cultures, anyways, that have more connection, trust, respect, interest, that would probably help a bunch. Sometimes there might be something like what I call almost emotional genetics. It's not quite like in your full physical genes that you're going to be a perfect dreamer because your mother and her mother was and so on. Uh-huh. But it might be in the sort of belief system they passed along and the openness and the sort of low sort of they call uh, thinner boundaries they're able to kind of tune into let's say that world that might be sort of an emotional genetic passed on so that could be there too hard to say probably uh you know in childhood the parents would talk about hey what did you dream or when you're reading a little bedtime story they'll probably say hey look at this character you know have you ever read or seen that one where the wild things are uh-huh. by maurice sendak Great little story for kids to help work with nightmares uh it's almost like changing your dream so some of these things are subtle but they get included in our childhood from our parents belief systems so that's my guess but if she or he has a, another thought we'd love to hear it i don't have everybody's answers that's for sure
0: oh well, well here's a question too so you know we talk like like we were talking the topic you know about how dreams can influence you during, in, during your life so by writing them down and as is what you're saying, but, but, you know, if we keep track of them and and, and write down what we're dreaming, then as the week goes on, we can kind of look back on that to see, um, you know, okay, hey, wow, this, 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 the little bit of this was in this dream.
1: Yeah. Is that how that works? uh, That can be one of the offshoots or benefits. Uh, It depends a little on our belief system. I'll just Mm -hmm. offer it now that it's actually super easy, natural, and we do it pretty much every night, although we might not interpret it that way and we might Mm -hmm. not. Uh, remember it if we do have them but we tune into the future uh, sometimes symbolically so it's a little bit tough to track and sometimes very specifically very accurately Uh, some nightmares not all nightmares but some nightmares are that where we're actually tuning into an unpleasant probable future that if we get the warning if we change the track you know if we turn our car our our waking ego our choices a little bit to the left or to the right we won't crash into that We won't go off that cliff or we won't go into that unpleasant future. So that's happening pretty often. And then when we have a really nice feeling waking up or sometimes we have this beautiful vision or like uh, I think uh, I'd say at least half of the 100, 200 artists in my book, The Dreams Behind the Music, they hear this super beautiful melody or or sometimes lyrics uh, like Billy Joel. In the middle of the night, I go walking in my sleep. The River of Dreams. Remember uh-huh. that one? And, and he says actually every song he's ever written came from dreams so mr joel is quite a musical dreamer but we're kind of tuning into a super beautiful future or a great possibility and that person acted on that dream i guess uh, just by nature he he did what the dream wanted and ma- recorded that song and and many others and, uh, and it became a big hit and probably inspired lots of people who knows but you can tell a little bit that it came from another world that one specifically because he said that was like a gospel thing i heard it sort of like a big choir with a bunch of colored phone i don't that's not me i never done anything like that he was like you know new york kind of mind and uh-huh. you know uh upstreet uptown girl and but he said okay well and then after the shower it really kept sort of coming to him he says okay i guess we'll work on it and, it sort of changed his sound a little bit and changed his vibe. I imagine it connected him with a whole type of new energy. Yeah. Just like Paul McCartney too. He actually dreamt the the lyrics, uh, well, more the melody, but I think later also the lyrics for yesterday uh-huh. and let it be. But in yesterday, uh, at the start, he said, I think I stole this tune. This sounds familiar. He woke up with it, found it on the piano and said so familiar. He asked the other Beatles, he asked, uh, I guess George, Martin, his manager, and said, hey, have you heard this? word? I nick this from? <laughs> he said, oh, we haven't heard it, but you're gonna have to change the lyrics. The original lyrics were, scrambled eggs. Oh, my baby, how I love your legs. <laughs> <laughs> and he said it would get a laugh and people thought of just go, but he said, change the lyrics, you might have something. So after about a month, he owned it, started writing it. And then I think he dreamt the title and eventually finished it. And uh, the Beatles were a little nervous. It was the first real sort of ballad reminisce. They said, hmm, this could can- Courtney experiment. We'll see how the hit. then it can be a Beatles song. And you know, it was a pretty big 18 weeks, I think on number one or something like that. And then it became a Beatles song, but interestingly enough, it changed a lot of the sound because after that they included a lot of strings and, you know, orchestra, instrumental, and they had a lot more ballads and things. So some of these things come for sort of alchemical reasons to, to bring us to really bright futures. So yeah, we, we tune into the future pretty often.
0: I have a question in the chat room then we'll get back to some of these celebrities why is it we only have flying dreams when we're kids but not so much when we're older
1: ah well there's a little hidden belief in uh, our our questionnaire i'll i'll poke fun at our questionnaire. watch out because you can actually have flying dreams any night including tonight if the person's listening uh and that that's a little suggestion but i have flying dreams i just had one a beautiful one last night. Uh, and sometimes there's sort of halfway dreams where we're not quite in that feeling state. Flying usually corresponds with a feeling. Uh, but in childhood, we usually have the falling dreams. Mm-hmm. And people say, well, what's what does that have to do? Well, actually they're flip sides of the same coin. So flying is falling or falling is flying. Uh, depends on what our feeling state is. Falling is usually like out of control, fear, ah, you know, and sometimes we wake up before we hit the proverbial bottom or the earth or whatever we're falling into. In the bottomless pit, we wake up out of fear. There's no bottom, but at least we wake up with a sort of short breath. If we had this little shift of consciousness or a little different interpretation, wait a minute, falling is flying. There's nothing around me. I'm in the air. (laughs) Why not change the the fear, the anxiety uh, into letting go, surrender, and maybe joy, freedom, lightness? And there's the hint for how to have a flying dream uh, whenever we want it just kind of before sleep, as much as possible, shift into a deep sense of letting go, well-being, richness, no care in the world. If you have you know, lots of to-do items, that's fair enough. Uh, just kind of write them down on your agenda or do something where you can clear your mind a bit and you can, can get into this very rich sense of well-being. And you'll be surprised within a day or two, I imagine you can have a flying dream. And, when people become lucid, which is one of the things I teach in the teleclasses I offer, how to become lucid and conscious in dreams, that's often the, the thing that most people do first off. And plenty of adults, I'll say. Uh, many thousands I've worked with have had flying dreams uh, when they're adults and maybe didn't have any for quite a while. And It's usually got that wonderful euphoric lightness. For you. Have you had flying dreams, Charlotte?
0: Oh, yeah, I have. And usually I'm, a, I'm falling into the ocean.
1: Oh, falling? So is it sort of fear or or positive?
0: No, it's usually fear. I think.
1: Okay, so you're falling. It's always I'm
0: going over a cliff and I'm falling, you know, something like that, or I'm in an airplane and I end up falling. And it's always towards the ocean.
1: Oh, okay. Well, I'll just mention it just because it's tough to track these things, but I've heard a, a number of stories, airplanes and a, a recurring theme of uh, airplanes and crashes and things like that are falling. Uh, just be a little bit awake and sometimes just the awareness can actually end the the recurring dreams for good that a lot of people started having that specific theme especially with the planes right after september 11th just because it was such a huge jarring event to our waking mind you know oh my Mm -hmm. god these planes and we saw it all on tv uh, etc and probably after that too but that sort of stuck in the psyche is a terrible fearful thing and some people's trauma around it, which is fair enough, I mean some people were actually at ground zero or or had friends' family, so I don't want to sound non empathic here, but it kind of jarred our psyche, and some part of us is still working on that little bit of almost like post traumatic p t s d and that's why it recurs so just kind of check if I was going to ask you what would be the best ending and start with a feeling always so you had sort of fear or unpleasant something. If you're going to rescript this dream, make it your own little DVD, you know, it's your own video. You can change the ending. DVD means your darn valuable dream now.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> what would you choose as the ultimate ending uh, if you got to do that again tonight? You, let's say it starts off, you get kicked out of a plane, and then what do you do?
0: <laughs> I would fall and land on an island. Nice. Tropical, preferably. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Nice <laughs> beach. Why not? <laughs> yeah. Pina Colada. Okay, yeah. good. That sounds very close to uh, with Jennifer Love Hewitt, who you probably recognize, our ghost whisperer character, uh, who she would actually have the falling terrifying dreams, but then she's learned and chose, kind of became a little more aware, I guess, possibly lucid. I don't think necessarily fully lucid, but she said, I would land now on clouds, bouncy clouds, and then slow to float down gently and peacefully to the earth instead of falling out of control, crash, burn, you know, So just that little recognition, but practice it, I'd say, for our caller and also maybe for you, Charlotte, if you're interested, emotionally kind of get in the feeling in your body and practice it for a minute or two as you fall asleep with eyes closed, kind of teaching the body uh, a little bit, the new emotional habit, maybe a few neurons go in a different direction than the trauma kind of dream. And your dreams will pick it up right there. I'll say, oh, yeah, cool. Sounds good. Let's try that.
0: (laughs) I have a question, too. I've been thinking about this. You know, because we talk about our our relatives that come in our dreams and and send us messages. What about past lives? Did you think past lives can influence your dreams, too?
1: Absolutely. In fact, uh, it becomes a larger sort of discussion of, I guess, frameworks of thinking. But I, I call it sort of physics or maybe metaphysics. But for me, I actually track the actual physics of a lot of these principles of probabilities or parallel universes. Uh, I know some of the listeners are probably a little more familiar with the parallel universe phrase, but just think of every time we make a, probably a significant choice, maybe even the smaller ones, we kind of bridge or split into a different probable world. And it's pretty hard to tell. We just live our life and do our choices, but some part of us might've taken the path where we didn't get married, or the path where we did take that job, or whatever other choices we didn't make as the, the memory that we have in our life. And they'll, that part of us will have a whole different, but you can certainly reach out to that probable self, the part of you who didn't make the exact choices you made. I have quite a few times and you can reach across time. So it doesn't have to be just sideways to other probable choices. You can go sort of backwards, forwards across the timeline. Don't forget the physical senses are turned off Uh mostly not hundred percent. Thank goodness. Or else, yeah, you know, you wouldn't hear the smoke alarm or whatever if you needed to, but, Mostly the physical senses are turned off. So that means that we're much, much freer of time. That's how we can dream the future. And so we could tune into past lives and future lives also, uh, sideways lives or any other variation you can kind of imagine. The, the point after exploring a little bit, it's fun. and It's good to just have sort of a, a scientist point of view, an inner scientist. <laughs> I call a dream art scientist, explorer perspective. Uh, first off, but then afterwards, okay, how could I benefit uh, I guess myself or others in waking life, or at least bring a rich, a richer, more interesting feeling in the dream, which is probably gonna benefit the different parts of me across time, my different lives, my different probable selves, because uh, in my view, it's actually they're actually very connected. So a past self isn't necessarily just a past finished. you know, book is written, page closed, goodbye. <laughs> Uh-huh. It's actually very linked through feelings uh, in some way across time, but it picks up on our thoughts, our feelings, our fears, or our positive. So that if we kind of consciously shift and change a dream or explore, or even in waking life, we sort of don't react to something unpleasant. We kind to send our, our parents peace if we're going to just react or be upset at them. We're actually going to send a moment across, uh, let's say, a thought, a feeling, a message across time to, maybe not react in a past life or in a future moment of this life or another life so what's the benefit how could i serve people how could i make it better that's usually a pretty good question somewhere pretty soon on the exploration journey
0: i got a couple questions what about someone who always has scary dreams
1: oh yeah well check out uh you can actually have a direct link to nightmares.info that's the website that i put up uh, it's one of the articles I wrote quite a while ago, but people really like it. And actually, it has a lot of the most common worldwide nightmare themes there. The falling one that we talked about, uh-huh. or being chased. That's a pretty common one. Or the evil presence in the rooms on there. Or car out of control, which I think you sort of had both of those there, Charlotte.
0: Uh-huh. Yeah. And
1: uh, maybe about a half dozen others. And it has the sort of the archetypal solution or the, the best scenario if you were going to shift that dream so nightmares.info and then it'll also explain why people might have it. Often it's because we have some trauma. Mm-hmm. Uh that's not 100% sometimes it's a warning dream and we have to kind of get the message not just heal the past. Of you know this is a warning and it's recurring cuz it's super important otherwise you might make something really terrible and you might get a terrible sickness, you know, something really bad. So follow the warning either way it's really good to kind of listen to it and see what was going on a little bit of self-empathy and then see is there an action item that i could take and that'll be a little bit more dependent on the person in the dream and whatever uh, usually the dream shifts a little bit especially if we put our attention on it we try to work with it Uh, there's some exercises in that dream to do that uh, in that article i mean excuse me Mm
0: -hmm.
1: but it'll shift a little bit and we can often turn nightmares into the positive gifts they're meant to be actually fairly quickly In the teleclasses i offer if people want to check out applieddreaming.com with two d's in the middle there applied dreaming Uh, i offer classes and one of the first things that people have and this is i only learned this after you know years of starting to lead these week one week two of the 10-week journey people would always almost have this nightmare or very upsetting dream or you know kind of grotesque dream one person i i told them hey watch out you probably have a nightmare on the first week because i was learning One person said, I don't want to have a nightmare, that's terrible. I said, okay, well, you can shift it a little bit. So they said, okay, I want to have a happy nightmare. I said, okay, that sounds good. And so they had a rocky horror kind of fun, interesting sort of film dream. Uh, But usually the the nightmares are coming with a strong message. So you'll see the title of the article there at nightmares.info. Nightmares, lucky you. (laughs) And lucky yeah, does, if we get the message. If we don't do anything about it, you. then I'm lucky.
0: Um, what does it mean if you're if, if you're dreaming that you're crawling in small spaces?
1: Oh, that one's in there. Okay. It's, uh, it's probably tied with stuck out of, uh, not able to move, stuck in jello. Uh, sometimes that's can't speak. There's sort of variations on a the theme. Uh, where you might ask a question. Uh, This isn't one size fits all because we sort of I like to interpret a dreamer, not just a dream. Uh But it sounds to me like that's kind of that theme. Hey, how can I kind of relax a little bit, explore, be at peace with wherever I'm sort of stuck in my life? Uh, Do I have much space? Am I, you know, in the pandemic, stuck in my (laughs) bedroom in my house, my small apartment, my studio? So that might be a bit of a pandemic dream right there. (laughs) Or otherwise, uh, even more interesting. Just ask, even as you're listening, hopefully that listener, or that that person who sent that in is still listening. Yes. In fact, uh, send us a little chat and let us know if it was helpful or not, because I don't want to have everybody's answers, but sometimes people say, oh, I'll try that tonight. Tonight you can ask, hey, what would be my best ending? Just like I asked Charlotte before. And start with the feeling, because I imagine stuck in a small space, kind of like the pandemic here, (laughs) isn't the most thrilling feeling. But what would be my ultimate feeling, and what scenario can I imagine? Kind of like Charlotte imagined uh, falling down to a tropical island, landing peacefully on the beach, and whatever else. So (laughs) a new ending imagined and a new feeling actually gives the the dreaming psyche a whole new little piece of software, and most likely that recurring dream will end. Hopefully. I've seen that quite a bit. I can give some examples if you like.
0: Sure. Go ahead, actually. Oh, I'm just
1: kind of respecting our timeline here.
0: Oh, no, that's fine. Go for it.
1: Uh, one example I like to give because dreams have actually encouraged me. you know I, I get dream guidance about what dreams to share when i when I have the the good opportunity, the honor really of of sharing on the media. And I say honor not not just as kind of some false humility thing. It's a real need after having so many of the insights and a lot of things I've learned to be able to share with more people some of these things. it's it's like maybe a legacy or something, but it's a real gift. so I appreciating you, Charlotte, for a chance to share some of the wisdom, pass on the fruits that are all ripe on the tree here. Uh, But in this case, uh, I was, I I think I lost my thread there. We're talking about, oh yeah, Mimi. So dreams encouraged me to share Mimi. And she had this recurring dream. She had the chase dream, not the stuck in small spaces. Uh But she said, I have this dream. I have it three or four times a week. It's really upsetting. It's ruining my life actually, because I'm tired. I don't work as well those days. Uh, What can I do? And I said, well, you know, I don't necessarily have the 1-800-Dial-My-Dream recipe uh, in one one night for you, Betty Crocker answer to your your new dream cake. But I said, why don't you try, uh, you could try lucid dreaming, you could try auto-suggestion, a little bit like we said, hey, what's the best ending? And she said, well, I want to do both because I'm tired. She goes, oh, okay. So I had her imagine the best ending. She goes, well, I'm going to. I'm gonna end the dream, I'm gonna tell that person off. I said, "Oh, I'm not sure that's the best ending. If you realize it's a dream, you don't have to kill them or tell them off. You could maybe make peace or who knows. But she said, no, I'm gonna try this, this sounds good. She actually really went for the lucid dreaming. So being able to wake up sort of in a dream, have her waking mind to some degree, it's not always on or off, but her waking consciousness join her in the dream. Uh, and she said uh, she you know two weeks later when i came and i saw her again she kind of grabbed my my shirt there hey hey, hey it happened it, it worked it worked i said oh yeah what was that i would forgotten. and she said oh i had the dream again this time the, the kind of bad guy was chasing me in a car instead of running after me so that was a little bit new but i saw him in the rear view mirror and it was the same person i was like ah so i was driving driving and i pulled into a parking lot and Whipped open the door and started running on foot. And then it was so close to that dream that you had me imagine where I was just being chased. It was the same feeling. I kind of recognized it. I had that little lucid moment and I said, I'm going to try something new. So I whirled around and I told him, You can't hurt me. This is my dream. (laughs) I thought that was interesting. At least she didn't beat him up or (laughs) kill him or or just run away. She at least faced, I guess, her fear symbolically. And she said it was very strange because he said, hurt you, what do do you mean hurt you? And she saw that he had beautiful loving eyes and he looked very friendly. He said, I've been running after you this whole time just to tell you I love you, but you've been running. So I've been chasing you. And she says, what? He says, that's true, I'm telling you. And so he kind of took her hands and I guess the perfect Jungian integration kind of symbolism here. He actually melded into her body. And she said, I woke up super energized. I wasn't afraid, tired, freaked out. Uh, What's more interesting is that feeling kind of left me really energized at work. And I started noticing this week, a very interesting thing. Almost like I got some kind of emotional lesson from that dream. Maybe I changed a few neurons and neuronal pathways, but instead of just kind of running away when somebody would say a different opinion, or I was, too afraid to ask my boss about something or maybe for a raise i don't know if she asked for a raise or not but she said i would shy away or just avoid it even with my my partner she said i decided to like stand my ground a little bit more in the dream not to be angry or judgmental or fight or yell or that kind of thing but just kind of stand my ground have a little more assertiveness and, and maybe share my opinion and that felt really good just like in the dream it felt good to change the ending I, i've been doing that in my waking life so and she said here's the most interesting thing and i checked about two years later too i never had the nightmare again ever huh. almost like you got the lesson you got the emotional waking lesson that was kind of the big gift and you don't have to go to that class anymore you graduated you'll, you'll be you'll have some more challenges later but at least that lesson you got it <laughs>
0: that's awesome question in the room is um where did the slogan uh, sweet dreams come from
1: uh that's a good question i don't really know i usually tell people uh, happy nightmares so, uh, and they say, I don't know. What is that? I say, well, that means an unpleasant dream, like Mimi's, where you turn to positive.
0: Right.
1: But who knows exactly? Sweet dreams uh, sounds like a good phrase. I imagine some parent sort of told their something with sugar plum fairies. Uh, maybe mm-hmm. it's tied to their Christmas carol. But uh, if that person knows, or if any listeners know, I'd actually like to know. Just a great little piece of trivia. Maybe they can Google it
0: it would be so if going back to some celebrities um you know like you talked about paul mccartney you know writing music who else who else has been inspired by dream
1: uh well there's there's probably tons i don't know but i did research interview and track uh probably about 250 now i'm actually working on the hopefully uh, that won't take too long probably a few more months but uh, a new edition of my book Uh, but I'll just be adding a few, and I've been adding them as I go. So if people want to check out dreamsbehindthemusic.com, you can see a big list of names there. And uh, I'm actually interested that there was some metadata that appeared, so 200, 250, that not just the dreamers and their stories, which all contain really interesting universal lessons, not just for them, but for all of us, kind of lessons of life and lessons of the psyche and how to dream better and how to have creative dreams, sort of dream up songs or movies. Uh, it actually brings thing, sort of metadata about, there's a lot of synesthesia people, and they're called synesthetes. But people who are able to uh, sort of see music, which is kind of a strange thing, right? Visually see shapes, colors, things, or they kind of hear images. Or I have a strange one, uh, which is I actually sort of hear touch. It's a little bit more of a rare one. But there was a whole grouping of those people who were actually very good at dreaming music. So I thought, oh, so maybe some of the more successful artists have like inner bridging of inner senses. And so there was kind of metadata that appeared when I started groupings. But we'll give a few specific examples because I know the listeners love the story. Sure. Uh, I actually, I won't make it too long, but I had an interesting uh, song I was writing. People can check it out. It's on iTunes called Polymers. And it was a fun song, kind of a satire, all about the environment and plastics and sort of chemicals, and in a fun poking fun kind of way to help people. Hey, let's stop using all the garbage and filling up the landfills and putting, you know, sit on top of the oil spill in the ocean and whatever else we kind of make with environmental problems. In uh, a fun song, and I thought I'd love to have that somehow on this radio show I've been on, a big show, and I specifically targeted one show that uh, I wanted to share it on with many, many listeners. And I didn't know how it would work but I just kind of set that intention. You could say I went to dream on it. I just put it out there, didn't know the details but a law of attraction or kind of wishing on a star <laughs> uh, and then I sort of forgot about it. I actually did re-record that song with something new about the, uh, the the oil spill at the time. That was when I recorded it and I didn't know anything and then strangely enough I, I got this long story short that I had uh, a chance or opportunity to meet James Cameron. Uh, I dreamt that Green carpet, Los Angeles, interviewing James Cameron. I thought, well, that's pretty weird. Maybe uh, symbolically, you know, I went to interpret the dream. Maybe I'm connecting with my inner director who dreams better and maybe it he can help draw dreams. I don't know, make films, I don't know. But I went symbolic, but just in case, and this is a little tip for listeners, a strategy here, I decided to Google James Cameron. And I'd never heard of a green carpet, sort of like a red carpet, but I never. I did green carpet, James Cameron, Here's the strange thing, Charlotte. Two days later, there was a green carpet in Los Angeles and it was James Cameron. I think it was for a Avatar movie and Earth Day. So I guess that's the green carpet. And at the time I was in Montreal and I was like, wow, this is not necessarily just, you know, what does the dream mean? This might be Uh one of those what does the dream want? So Uh and I'd had a lot of practice following dreams and I teach about it. And you know, I try to practice what I preach, not always, but I bought a plane ticket and flew to LA with no idea how anything would work. (laughs) Who knows if I would ever get in or get on, but I managed getting on the green carpet and interviewing James Cameron. And that led interestingly enough to an interview on the exact radio show. And it turns out that uh, James Cameron had uh, been the one who more or less ended the oil spill. I didn't know that, but he got a team of his top experts and they sat in a room for 25 days. I think it was, and uh, they created a big report and they gave it to BP and, the EPA passed it on to BP and they ended the oil spill with that after, you know, six months of not being able to do it. So uh-huh. it turns out that it was actually very tied to my new dream recording. And that I mentioned the song polymers that was, you know, it'd hopefully go after some of the same problems, but in a little more of a easygoing playful way. And James liked that. And then he said, you know what? I actually had two dreams that inspired some of my biggest films, a nightmare that inspired terminator. This was kind of chrome, skeletal scary figure rising out of a fire. Uh, and that was kind of the character that, you know, later Arnold Schwarzenegger played, the the Terminator. <laughs> I'll be back. You know? <laughs> and he goes, yeah, it was a super scary nightmare, but I turned it into a creative story and then into a film. And obviously that fear that was so, you know, the symbol that shouldn't be that freak, freaky, just a, a chrome skeleton, it somehow terrified me waking up. So I turned it into a movie and it terrified and inspired, I guess, entertained a lot of people he said, Avatar also actually had two dreams. One from my mom, he said. His mother dreamt of tall blue warrior people in a strange landscape and he liked it. And he kind of drew a little, I think he made a short story and maybe drew a few sketches because he's originally actually an artist. Uh-huh. And he said a few or a number of years later, he dreamt of these beautiful glowing rivers and forests and animals that had bioluminescence. He goes, wow, that's beautiful. And he drew it in pastels. He said, that'll make it into a movie someday. And I guess he put two and two together, I think about 25 years or so after the original dream from his mom, and he said, I started working on Avatar, and there it is. Actually, on the movie poster for both those two movies, you'll see a chrome skeletal figure with a fire, and on the other one, you see a tall blue warrior person with a little bit of bioluminescence on the face, so he included the exact symbols on the movie poster that were obviously huge
0: successes. That's fascinating because you do you think about, you know, well, like you say the creative types, even writers, you know, uh probably find a lot of inspiration from you know yeah, from absolutely. their dreams. Look at Stephen King. I mean, he must have night he must have nightmares, come, you know, constantly. Yeah,
1: yeah. Stephen King has he's uh, recorded having dreams. I forget the specific ones, uh I could probably google them, but uh he does dream. I remember one of the dreams he's sort of pull, he describes the dreams that he says he kind of goes to some very deep space and he pulls up a fish from a deep level of like the ocean of subconscious. He says, it's not always exactly the same when it comes to the surface. In other words, he recalls the dream. <laughs> he said, might, the fish might have not survived the journey or might look like something else, but I know it has these very strong feelings or archetypal, and that's what I put into my uh, movie. I'm trying to remember that one of the uh, his novels, rather. I'm trying to remember the name of it. It, I think, was one of them, but there was another Mm -hmm. one. Anyway, so he dreams a few. There's actually quite a few uh, writers who will dream it. Another one is uh, Sophie's Choice. I forget Mm -hmm. the the name of the author right now. That was a really big one. Uh, Robert Louis Stevenson, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. That actually became sort of a screenplay, I think. Uh, and there's a lot of filmmakers who do it there's certainly tons of musical artists that's who i kind of focus on in the book Mm -hmm. beatles two biggest hits came from dreams sting's biggest hit sting's actually a a big he calls it i call it a rock and roll shaman he calls it the shamanic art of songwriting where he kind of sort of stays in a liminal half awake state and tunes in but every breath you take you know number Mm -hmm. one best song grammy came from dreams and, and many of his others so he's kind of one of them, and then and then there's quite a few others. I mean, if you name a musician, I could probably tell you their dream that was as far as Stevie Wonder has an interesting one that I think you'll like, because the haunting. We can go to the. There's a whole chapter in there about contacts with the deceased or the deceased who usually come and bring songs. i will have to healing. read it.
0: That, that's going to be a great book. It sounds ah, great.
1: Thank you. Yeah, thanks for the feedback. Well, I think Stevie Wonder was an interesting one because he said, "I don't usually follow that stuff too much." Uh, but my mom passed away. I think her name was uh, Beulah or something close to that. And people don't know that actually Stevie's mom helped write some of his big hits, you know, signed, sealed, delivered, and, and some of the others. Uh, and he said, you know, when my mom passed, that was what, probably the most important, important person in my life. Fair enough. And he said, I wanted to grieve. So I told my manager and uh, I guess his agent, his tour booker, whoever, his peeps, uh, could you guys remove some of my engagements? I really need a year off and just kind of spend time. And so they said, okay, we understand. And, you know, it wasn't great after the whole tour was booked, but he, they did, it was a big thing. And then about a week later, he calls off <laughs> ring ring. Uh, could you put back on the tour and can we uh, set up that album recording again? And can we actually, can we add two new albums and this other leg to the tour? And they're like, well, okay, Stevie. I mean, I'm glad to put it back. Probably the hosts are really glad too. They can not lose all the money. But what happened? He told us, he goes, well, my mom came in the dream and she said, Stevie, you're an artist. You're going through tons of feelings. That's fair enough. But that's the exact thing everybody goes through when they have loved ones who pass. So why don't you share some of the amazing message of happiness, life, the, as, you, as an artist and keep up your message while you're going through this journey like you do with all your other things. Oh. And then he says, you know, I, I put back on my tour. I added a whole tribute album to my mom because mama said, gotta do, gotta keep on going here. <laughs> so uh, a life guidance, a career guidance from the other side.
0: That is really cool, really cool. Man, this hour blew by. I cannot believe how fast it went.
1: Oh, wow, this has been absolutely
0: <laughs> fascinating and I thank you so much for coming on.
1: You are so welcome. I we barely just to... scratched the surface here.
0: Oh my gosh, I would love to have you on again.
1: Oh well, I'd love to. We'll just give a little hint: uh, California Dreaming, which ties with your your show name there, That's actually it. came from a dream there. So if people are going through the hard winter, just know that uh, the mamas and papas felt it, and they they made a whole song about it, and that anybody can use the same principles. Uh, if you want to check out there's lots of free info online or if you you liked my book dreams behind the music or if you're really into it and you want to learn lucid dreaming with a team of excited explorers check out AppliedDreaming.com, and we'll see if it's a fit to get you on an upcoming journey and it sounds like i might be back on california haunts here sometime
0: yeah how can people get your book
1: oh uh dreams behind the music is the website Uh, they can read a little bit about it just make sure it's a fit or they can go directly to amazon and just check out Craig Sim Webb. It's my kind of full name there. And Dreams Behind the Music is the name of the book. And I keep the price low. It did take me three, 4,000 hours of writing. Actually, with the, the rewrites and the additions now, probably 5,000. Lots of interviews and all footnotes for anybody who thinks it's out there stuff. Every story is tracked with a specific reference, who said it, when, what article. 760 footnotes, which probably took about 1,000 of the hours. Uh, But uh, it's at uh, Amazon and then I think it could actually jumpstart a lot of the people's dreams because you can sort of use it as a practice, you know, read a few of the little artist stories each night as suggestions as you fall asleep. Wow, I mean, I could contact with my deceased and they could give me a new creative idea or solve a problem or like Bono, he he dreamt up two huge collaborations. I'll leave that as a little cliffhanger for our next show there, but two monstrous collaborations with other artists. And he actually dreamt very psychic things that came true. And then they ended up working together and things. So you can have all kinds of inner gifts. Like we have an inner Skype Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) or
1: inner clairvoyance or inner remote viewing. It's all available uh, from the dream channel and hopefully that uh, the book and some of the other work that's free online, including the dream recall tips at uh, craigweb.ca that can get people launched and, and going that's and maybe uh, well, they'll, they'll write in their dreams next time around here.
0: Fantastic. All right. Well, like I said, I'm going to definitely have you on again if you're willing to do it because sure. this was fantastic and um, I really appreciate it. Thank you I so much. There.
1: You're very welcome. And uh, next time I'm on, or even before that, I'd love to hear an update on your falling. If yeah. you're coming out of a plane, I want to hear what happens, even if it's not a <laughs> tropical island, but a okay. new ending would be beautiful.
0: <laughs> that would be great for me. Yeah. All right. Thank you very much, sir. I appreciate it.
1: Okay. Take care. Happy be- nightmares to everybody.
0: Yes, have a good one. Uh-huh. I'm glad you all came and, I, I'm, and I, I I thought it was a great show. And I hope you thought it was a great show too. Uh, we are the California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team www.californiahaunts.org and you guys have a good week.